Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Welcome to a new week. A little bit of a holiday weekend now in the rearview mirror, and things start to get back to normal. At about a month or so left until things really get rolling with the start of college football practice, the start of high school football practices, school starting back. So a uh, little bit of time still to enjoy the summer. Glad to have you along this afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. Check out the website, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Hope you had a great weekend, Rippy. Good weekend for you? Yeah, just hung out, got some stuff together in my room. Oh, yeah, you've moved officially into a new place, right? I have, new house. And it has a pool? It has a pool. Tell it, me about the pool. Has an above, has an above-ground outdoor pool that was uh, bought on a whim. Is it inflatable? No, no, no. Like, it's a legit above-ground outdoor pool. It thinks huge. Um, really? Yeah, big pool. Um so, so you got like decking around it, or do you have to get like climb the little ladder to get climb into it? Climb the little ladder to get into it. Um, so yeah, I got that going for us. <laughs> Recorded a podcast yesterday. It's been a big weekend. Borky, you you are a new homeowner. Have you toyed with the ad- idea of buying a uh, an outdoor above ground pool for the backyard? No, only because I'm one of these people that says it would destroy the grass. Uh, that's a fact. We've already moved it once. It does. And what's the point of moving it? Uh, there were two. We didn't move it because the grass. We moved because there's two. The leaves were getting it. Oh, okay. I said because now you're just going to kill the grass in another spot as well. Yeah, be a couple circles around there. Maybe the aliens will catch on. I don't know. There, shit. <laughs> Just a random alien line. You remember those commercials growing up? There was always like a, an outdoor superstore of some sort, and they would advertise like the, uh, the the outdoor hot tubs, and they always made the above ground pools look so enticing. They're pretty sweet, are they? Yeah. Do you get like a filter for it and the whole thing? I just swim in it. I don't run the pool. <laughs> Borky, I think you should look into this. I think your dogs would like it a lot. Well, not the three-legged one because, you know, she can't swim. The other one probably would. Yeah, I guess she... If she had two front legs, she would be able to swim, right? They use their back legs pretty good, too. But, yeah, I mean, I I guess that would be a little bit better. She's terrified of water anyway. She's scared of everything, which I guess is understandable when you fall asleep one day and then wake up without a leg. But um, she wouldn't come anywhere close to it anyway. Yeah. Hey, Dad, that could be your next big purchase, right? Uh, outdoor pool for the house, uh, above-ground style. No. No, that will not be happening. No. 
don't, I don't have any, I don't I don't have room in the uh, the backyard for such a thing. Why do you not have room in the? I mean, your backyard doesn't like sit on the back property line, does it? No, but I just, I just don't have room for it for a nice huh. big pool. I got a big gazebo I mean, out there, so I'm not saying like a twenty by forty, just like one of those round ones that's like fifteen or twenty feet across. You couldn't do that? Probably not. No. That's your story, and you're sticking to it. Yeah, right? I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not getting a pool. Let's go with that. Not having this conversation anymore. How was your weekend? It was good. It was chill. I didn't do very much, which is the way I like it. There you go. Anything uh, exciting for you this weekend, Borky? I uh, smoked some ribs yesterday, and they were incredible. Yeah, I, I like ribs. I, I ruled Thought you out. Might have gone in a different direction there for a second. For a second there, I was like, Whoa. Eh. No, they they were the best smoked meat I've ever done. I was really proud of of myself. No, I think that I think they were referring to the fact, Borky, that they thought you were going to say that you smoked something else. Yeah, the first oh, word out of your oh. mouth was a verb, and it was smoked, and it was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, I put that behind me. You know, jeez, grew, grew out of that a few months ago. Um, just Holy kidding. Jeez. <laughs> No, that was never my scene, man. I never even had one of those stages like when I was a, a teenager. That just never was something that I cared about. Um, but no, smoked some some ribs, and they were excellent. And then I ruled out one of my neighbors that called the police on me because her little Yorkie ran across the street into my yard when I was cutting the grass yesterday. And, and we met for the first time, and, and she was very friendly. And she said, well, welcome to the neighborhood. And I said, you know... Uh, it doesn't feel very welcoming because I had a few friends over on Wednesday night and somebody called the police on me and she looks at me and she goes, I had a birthday party a couple months ago in the afternoon and somebody called the police on me. So we know it wasn't her, but we've got mm. a serial cop caller on our street in the neighborhood. Mm. You're convinced it was the same person? I still think it was, I need to speak to your manager haircut lady. Did she have? Did um, did did Yorkie lady have any suspicion as to who it was that had called the police on her? She had no idea, and she asked the police, and they wouldn't tell her. So ah. she thought that they did the move where they said that there was a call, but there was no call. But now that the same thing happened to me, we now yeah. know that it's one of our neighbors. And the I need to speak to the manager haircut lady is to her right and directly across the street from me. So it would make the most sense that it would be them. I love that we've now labeled the uh, neighbors as Yorkie lady and I need to speak to the manager haircut lady. What do you think they call you? I have no idea. Oh, Billy's probably not good. Yeah. Angry karate kid, that's what Rippy says. (laughs) I'm nice to my neighbors. He wasn't karate kid. He was the villain. He was Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. The the blonde haired dude. Yeah. Billy Zabka. Yeah. Uh, you want to text the show this afternoon, you can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. At C Spire Repair Centers, they love making happier experiences for you. That's why they've got one-hour phone repair, fixing any phone carrier, uh, I'm sorry, any phone from any carrier with certified parts and technicians. Visit cspire.com slash repair to find a repair center near you, Seaspire, Customer Inspired. Those repair locations across the state of Mississippi from Oxford to the Gulf Coast. Got a bunch to get to this weekend. Um, not like, or, I'm sorry, a bunch to get to today. It wasn't like the busiest weekend ever in the history of sports, but the U.S. Women's National Team wins the goal. Uh, the, no, no, let me see. They win the World Cup. 
and the uh, the men's national team lost to Mexico. I was going to save this for later, but I watched the soccer game last night. Yeah? Yeah, by choice. Didn't exactly draw you back for more, though. Actually, it? I thought it was fun. I thought it was fairly entertaining. It was inten- okay. it was an intense game and a little physical, as United States-Mexico always gets. It's just the Americans had an s- impossible time finishing. I mean, that game should have been 4-5-1 or five to one if they could just put away decent chances that they had all freaking night long, but they couldn't do it. Reminded me of a Big 12 game, one nothing. <laughs> uh, no. I I would watch again though in the next couple years if someone offers another soccer game in the next two ish years I'd watch. Would it have to be one where there was a trophy on the line? No, I didn't know there was a trophy on the line until about halfway through. Yeah. The uh, what does the gold cup trophy look like? Did you did you stick with it for the post game celebration? It's gold. <sighs> it's gonna be one of those days. One of those days. You realize we're two weeks away from all of the NFL teams reporting for training camp? And about three weeks from now, we've got the Hall of Fame game. Football's close. One week from today, one week from right now, we will be in Hoover, Birmingham, if you prefer, for SEC Media Days. Day one uh, gets started just after lunch uh, next Monday and we'll roll all the way through Thursday. We'll be there uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for Sports Talk Mississippi. What are you most excited about with Media Days? That's a good hey, question. That's a good question. I mean, I'm excited. It's that been it, a quiet off season so far. Yeah, it has been, and and you know, I know every coach that we're going to talk to is going to feel the, that they want that to continue. Um, for me, this will be you know. We have this thing with Moorhead on Wednesday, but this will be like the first time we really get to talk to him since Tommy Stevens and Isaiah Zuber have joined the team. So I'm interested to hear his thoughts on those guys, what he thinks they're going to bring, and and how the team has reacted to them. Anything, Rippy, interesting to you, whether it's Ole Miss or otherwise, going into media days, what, two months removed from spring practice and a month before fall camp? Um. I mean, I guess other than who got stronger this summer, it will be interesting to see. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see who they bring because it's a young team, and I think not that they'll put too much time and in thinking into it. I mean, there will be some some thought put into it, but I'll be interested to see who they bring and if that's telling at all. And then just I don't know. We haven't talked to Matt Luke all summer, so you'll get to talk to him uh, really for the first time since spring football. Other than that, just having something to do. Later this afternoon, we will ask the question, what are the uh, players that Ole Miss and Mississippi State should bring? And we'll look at some of the other schools in the SEC. Who, who should be there? Who, who would you actually like to hear from and think that you'll get more than just uh, random sound bites? Wide receivers, that's the focus on the All-Mississippi team as we move forward with that exercise. Some basketball news, including Terrence Davis betting on himself and seeing it come up all aces. Plus, Reggie Perry, really good for the U19 team at FIBA. How much does that mean for Mississippi State? Winners and losers, 100 teams in 100 days, and a bunch more. It's all coming up with you this afternoon in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Wait it's Monday afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We are glad to have you along for the ride. So the All-Mississippi team, we uh, we picked quarterbacks early last week. We talked some running backs last week, had a little bit of a break in the action because of the 4th of July. 
and just kind of being away. The results of the running back poll, Walter Payton got the most uh, percentage of the vote at 58%. Anthony Booby Dixon from Mississippi State got 24%. So those are the two running backs on our Sports Talk Mississippi all-time Mississippi college football season. Deuce McAllister finished third with 15% of the vote, and Damian Fletcher got 3% of the vote. A total of 2,364 votes uh, for this particular poll. Um, So we've got Dak Prescott, Archie Manning, Steve McNair tied for second team as the quarterbacks. Walter Payton is the starting running back with Booby Dixon as uh, the second string or the uh, second team uh, running back, I suppose, as well. So now, and I don't know that a poll is going to be the right way to do this, just because of the number of guys that we're talking about. Well, we I ha- need. I had an idea, and I went over it with Borky. You want to hear it? I want to hear it. All right. First and foremost, Rice is in. Jerry Rice is just in. There's no point in voting. He's just in. He's okay. he's R W R one. What we do then is let's come up with eight guys, and then we'll do two polls of four, and we'll take the top two from each poll, and then narrow that down to one poll, and then the top two from that poll go in with Jerry Rice. Wow, you said poll, and that was a lot of numbers, man. <laughs> I think Borky so understood need, it. So he's and he's the one who has to type everything. First out, team so. wide receivers and three second team wide receivers, right? Two second team wide receivers. Why? We were going to do three wides, right? Yeah, so three on the first team, Jerry Rice and two more. Oh, I see and where then you're three going. on the second team. I guess, oh, yeah. I'm, the second team doesn't total. concern me as much. but Five okay. plus Jerry Rice. Yeah. What are some names? So Jerry Rice is out there. All right. And I'll go ahead and uh, put the tweet out as well. And uh, if you're listening, either text us or reply to the tweet. Give us some nominations. Okay. Text message 601-879-4395. Uh, Wayne was worried, by the way, earlier that I asked everyone about their weekend except you, Rippy. But I started. Rippy talked about his above ground pool and how much he loved it. Yeah, how great his, uh, how that made his weekend great. It's a great pool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Jerry Rice. Yes, we all agree. He's in. Eric Molds. You know, Molds for me is probably Mississippi State's. You know, statistically, he's not Mississippi State's best receiver. Fred Ross is. Um, but Molds, obviously, is the guy everybody thinks of first. Uh, a lot more spectacular plays. Um, and, you know, played in a very run-heavy, conservative offense that didn't have an opportunity. You know, nowadays, a guy like that would would be a superstar. Um, so if you want to put a Bulldog on there, that's probably the guy to go for. Are those the only two options, Eric Molds and Fred Ross? Pretty much, in my opinion. I mean, if Teronia Wilson had stayed another year, maybe he'd be on there with me. Um, you know, just looking down the list, Justin Jenkins, eh, no, not really. Hey, Molds is actually down the list. He's eighth all time in catches at Mississippi State. Uh, only played three years, of course. Marty McDoyle, you know, no, that's not, that's not going to work. So, yeah, for me, the, the two Bulldogs I would nominate would be Fred Ross and Eric Molds. Is there a scenario where you think those two don't make? I think Molds will make it because of the name recognition. It'll be a little bit more of his pro career. And just because MSU fans know who he is, I, I don't think Fred Ross will make it. This might be dumb, but does Bumfus not make it? Like in the conversation? <sighs> He's in the conversation, third all-time in, uh, 
in catches, uh, second all-time in yards, and leader in touchdowns. Um, but, I mean, just – State just doesn't have a lot of, of high-quality guys here at this position. This is not the position where MSU is going to put a lot of guys out there. So, I mean, if you wanted to put Bumpus in the, on the list – I don't have a problem with that. I like Bumpus. He's a friend of mine. But for me, Molds Molds and Ross would be the top guys. And you say that's not a position where Mississippi State has kind of shined through the years. Right. Different story at Ole Miss. That's a a spot where there have been a bunch of really, really good wide receivers. And you can kind of go current, current, present day, which you would say, what, 2000 to now, or you can rewind back into the you know 50s, 60s if you want to, and find some standout wide receivers. AJ Brown though has to be at the top of the list, doesn't he? I mean, we're talking college production, best wide receiver ever at Ole Miss. It's it's a close call for me between him and Treadwell. I was about to say pre-injury Treadwell. I know you can't like go off that, but okay. Man, yeah, Treadwell basically got what two and two third seasons. I mean, your answer, what Richard said, is probably correct, but like, it's definitely a discussion. Yeah. Well, and and to me, the thing that that's interesting about wide receiver at Ole Miss is you, okay, those are two immediate recent names. DK Metcalf ain't not gonna be there because he just didn't play enough. The production right. wasn't there despite the physical whatever that, that goes along with it. So yes, Laquan Treadwell's in the conversation. Yes, AJ Brown, probably the best ever. Dante Moncrief's gotta be in the conversation. I know we're not going off NFL careers, but this just comes to mind because the guy carried it over the NFL too. Mike Wallace was really good with Shea Hodge on that 018. Mike Wallace and Shea Hodge are two names. If you want to go back to when Eli was playing quarterback, Chris Collins' name yeah. probably is one. Um, and I mean, I, I don't think that can go, Bill Flowers gets to that level. You can go to the Wayback Machine and go to a guy like Barney Poole, who, like, he led the nation in receiving and set a, I think he set a national record for, at the time, he had 50 catches, which at the time was, that's like having 150 catches nowadays. Nobody threw the ball that much. So, I mean,. That's a guy you go back. You go way back, like not too far back, but like a guy like Willie Green was really good for Ole Miss. So mm. you got some guys to go with for sure. Willie Green would be kind of my. That was like the era of Ole Miss football when I was first around. Yeah, when John Darnell was playing quarterback, and you had Willie Green and Randy Baldwin came along about that time, maybe a year or so later at running back, and I mean that was you're talking eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety. In uh, in kind of that era uh, of Ole Miss football as well, so if you're a longtime Ole Miss fan, give us some names, um, guys that you think fall into the all-time category. We haven't gotten to tight ends yet because I've seen somebody say, "Hey, Wesley Walls," and somebody sent us a message for Evan Ingram as well. And I feel like those are two guys that you got to put in the tight end category. Although it's a little harder to kind of put a box around Evan Ingram. And, and make him a specific position, but I would say more tight end than wide receiver. Yeah, he played tight end. Okay. Wasn't exactly built like one, but, I mean, he was a decent blocker as well. It's not like he just ran routes. I mean, he he could play physical. Yeah, we've definitely got some some, some tight end options uh, there. For Mississippi Mackey Trophy would disagree. Y'all remember that whole thing? Oh, that was ridiculous. Yeah. That made a lot of people mad. It did. Uh, we got a message a few 
minutes ago, let's see, where is this? It was oh somebody from Southern Miss said Lewis Lips, I think was the name. So yeah, the he, he started the text with, hey, homers, what about Lewis Lips for USA? No, I'm not talking about that one. Oh, oh, that is the same guy. Yeah. So with Lewis Lips, though, not in the top ten all-time in receiving in catches or, or yards. Had a really good pro career, but is, is I mean, obviously, again, different era of football, but am I going to go with him at USM above Sherrod Gideon, above Todd Pinkston, above DeAndre Brown? Probably not. Hmm. You know, with Gideon, I, I actually, uh, my, Borky, I reached out to Luke Johnson. I was like, if I have Sherrod Gideon, are, are we are we good? Because I don't I don't want people texting me Thank angry. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but Gideon, 193 catches, 3,214 yards, and 30 touchdowns in four years at Southern. And again, you know, Jeff Bauer not exactly known for slinging it all over the field uh, in his day there. So those are those are pretty good numbers. Pinkston, 149 catches, 2,366 yards. DeAndre Brown sort of in the same spot as uh, as Treadwell for me. So, you know, played what two and two thirds years. He got hurt. So, yeah, we have a uh, pretty severe thunderstorm that is like nestled over top of the studio right now. So oh. I think we dropped a time or two. You Sorry can actually that. hear the thunder. It's kind of eerie. Yeah, it's uh, it's rumbling and grumbling. You can hear the thunder this, five uh, days a week on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Oh, Only available at supertalk.net. Always be promoting. That's right. If you're not going to do it, who else is, right? That's that was right. pretty solid there, hey, Dad. Thank you. Thank you, Rippy. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Ooh, you can, can hear that. Show. Wow. 601-879-4395. We are inside, by the way, <laughs> just in case you were wondering. I mean, I'm not above doing a show like sitting on the porch, but we're in the studio. That's just what's happening outside the walls of the studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Good to be with you this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. We're good to have, uh, glad to have you along. You can text the show, Ceasefire Text Line, 601-879-4395. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Town wide receivers. We've got a couple of uh, notes. Howland Starkle says, how about some love for my Jackson State alums, Harold Jackson and Jimmy Smith? I looked, I looked up Jimmy Smith, and uh, Harold Jackson had a good college career. Jimmy Smith is more known for his pro career. He didn't have a huge career at Jackson State. Uh, so I don't know if that's the guy to go with. For Jackson State, the guy I came up with was Willie Richardson, who played back in the 50s. Again, a guy who led the nation in receiving uh, you know, with a number that doesn't seem that ridiculous nowadays. It was 72 catches. But that was a record at the time. Uh, and then had a long NFL career. But if I was going to pick a JSU guy, Richardson is the guy I would pick. Yeah, you know, you were talking a minute ago about Southern Miss. Sherrod Gideon had 193 catches in four seasons for 3,214 yards and 30 touchdowns. He leads Southern Miss in all three of those categories all time. You've got Todd Pinkston in the top three of all those, 149 catches, 2,366 yards. How about having those two guys on your team at the exact same time, exact same time frame? Even 96, 97, 98, 99. Nothing wrong with that. It's probably why Southern was so good back in those days. Yeah, I'm looking to see who the running back, uh, if there was a standout running back. Uh, 
Harold Shaw for a couple of those years. Um, who was a quarterback in Lee Roberts? He was 95, 96, 97, 98. And then Jeff Kelly followed Lee Roberts at quarterback as well. So Lee Roberts had some weapons to throw it to yes, on the uh, on the outside. Well, that 99 team, they, they won Conference USA, right? Am I wrong on that? Uh, you're going to have to do a little more digging on that. I, I do not trust my memory. It was. There. Yeah. That, that 99 was the year where uh, State, Ole Miss, and Southern all finished in the top 20. Southern was 9-3 and three and finished the year number 14 in the country. Hmm. Finished where in the country? 14? 14th. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, 601 879 Spire text line. I don't mind switching to this. Um, would like to hear some news about girls' basketball. Um, normally I would say that this is probably not the right time of year for that, but the Mississippi State women's team has been playing as Team USA. Hey, Dad, you've been kind of following that, haven't you? First off, they're USA team, not Team USA. That is a trademark of the Olympics. You can't call them Team USA. We found that out when we talked to Coach Schaefer before uh, before they departed for uh, for Italy. But yeah, they've been playing really okay. well. USA team sounds so stupid. I, I can't help it. That's what you have to call. <laughs> so, Ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, they're playing at a really high level. Uh, it's not. It's 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 a. It's not the actual team that's going to play this this winter and spring in, at Mississippi State. Uh, first off, Chloe Bibby. And Promise Taylor are not there. They're both recovering from their injuries. And even if Bibby was healthy, she couldn't play because she's Australian. She couldn't play on, on for the for the Americans. Uh, Jazz Holmes for is, USA team. USA team, right? Uh, Jazz Holmes is on the team, uh, although she's not eligible anymore. And Vic Schaefer told us that had he known that Andrea Howard was going to get cut in the WNBA, he would have had her on the team as well. Um, but that said, the, the star so far has been true freshman Rakia Jackson, who, you know, McDonald's All-American, top 10 player nationally. She's averaging about 23 points a game uh, for them over there. So she has been really, really good. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised they're winning games, but they have, they've shown uh, – um, they, they've had a lot of comeback wins. They've been down and found a way to come back and get these wins. So that, if I'm Vic Schaefer, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's probably pretty happy about that because, you know, when you get into SEC play, having that kind of experience already in your pocket is something that – it can't go wrong with that. So is Team USA undefeated? They are USA undefeated. Team. I don't care. That's good. Yes, they have Didn't not they beat lost. China recently? Uh, yeah, they beat uh, China on, I think that was on Saturday. And then uh, today they beat uh, Japan, I believe. I, mean, I might need to double check those, those, those names, but I know they won Japan today. Japan team. They, Japan team. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's so ludicrous, right? It's the things they come up with. Yeah, they beat Japan today to advance to the finals. They will play for the gold medal on Wednesday uh, at 1 o'clock against Australia. So, Chloe Bibby, torn loyalties. Mm, think so? Probably not. She's not on Australia team, is she? She's not because she's still recovering from her uh, from her ACL injury that she suffered in the season last year. Fair enough. Um, sticking with the basketball theme just for a second, I-, I mentioned to you earlier that Terrence Davis, former Ole Miss basketball player, bet on himself. What are we talking about there? He elected not to sign as a free agent after the draft 
there was some interest from a couple of different teams. Primarily, was it Denver that was kind of most interested in him out of the gate? The Utah team. He was he was on Denver's summer league roster. Okay, so his summer league roster with Denver, and then he signed a short deal with Utah as well, right? No, I just made that part of it up. Fair enough. He had a couple. He had interest in two way deals from a couple of teams late in the draft and turned them down. That was the gamble on himself, and it turned into a two year deal. Obviously, with Toronto Raptors, one year guaranteed. Um, which is what you want. Yeah, he's more than likely going to. I mean, he's got a chance to be a bench guy and a two guard, and a really good one at that. So, yeah, I mean, it it paid off for him, but you know, obviously, it doesn't work out that way for every guy. And it happened quick. It took him what all of. I don't. I think Denver played. It was two one games. game. I'm not sure if he, he played, played one game. So twenty-two one game. points. Yeah. Okay, played in one game. Yeah, which was yesterday. Wait, was way. that? But that wasn't with Denver, was it? He was. Yeah, Nuggets beat the Magic. Okay. Watched a bit. I watched a piece of it. Twenty-two points on eight of thirteen shooting, five rebounds, three assists. Pretty good performance, and the Raptors said, eh, "We'll take him." So they signed him on a uh, on a deal, and what he's going to make. About a million dollars, nine hundred thousand dollars. I think that's yeah. Rookie kind of minimum rookie is minimum just under nine hundred k. And there's a history there with them having success with undrafted players. With Toronto, yeah, Fred Van Vliet. You know, pretty good organization, kind of in a transition period after Kawhi Leonard. He'll have a chance, and he'll be with. I think what's going to help him the most is he's going to be with a lot better, like. He's going to be structurally around a lot better players, and he's not going to be asked to do a frac—I mean, even a fraction of the things he was asked to do here. What do you think the role is that he'll be asked to fill? Bring energy off the bench, defend the opposing two guard, score. Is a Tony Allen comparison unfair? Probably. I mean, a better Tony scorer. Allen went on to become. Well, Much better offensive player. I don't know. Because Ter- Terrence improved as a defensive player, but I don't know if he's at that level. Well, I mean, I guess the question would be whether it. or not he's going to commit to getting to that level. Because athletically, he's good enough to defend the way that Tony Allen defended. Yeah, 6'3", 200-ish. I mean, he, he's... Tony Allen, you could put on a number of different guys, though. Like Terrence Davis, there's a... Tony Allen was Kobe Bryant's nemesis. Not that he's Not that Terrence Davis is limited, but like if you're putting him on a bigger... Like a small forward or something like that is probably not going to work out too well. But he can guard pretty much probably any two two guard in the NBA. Yeah, so good for him. Congratulations to uh, Terrence Davis. Signs the uh, the deal one of the two years completely guaranteed with the Toronto Raptors. And then uh, another player who's coming back to Mississippi State, Reggie Perry. Really good showing at the uh, U19 World Cup. That's a a FIBA event. Uh, Reggie Perry named MVP of the 2019 FIBA U19 World Cup in Crete. Uh, 6'10 sophomore led the way for Team USA. They won the tournament championship on Sunday over Mali. He uh, chose to come back for his second season, his sophomore year at Mississippi State after going through the NBA draft process in the offseason. 13 points, 8 rebounds a game in the World Cup, including a 28-point performance in the quarterfinal win over Russia this feels like a bigger and bigger deal for Mississippi State, even as time goes by. When Hey, Dad, when we first heard that Reggie Perry was coming back, you said, okay, that's a big deal for Mississippi State. But it seems like he's continuing to grow in the offseason. 
Yeah, I mean, he's getting better, and that's what you wanted to see from him. He had such a great freshman campaign. You knew that if he just advanced as a sophomore, he had all-SEC potential, you know, first round of the NBA draft potential. Uh, If he's going to realize that, it's going to go a long way for MSU getting back to the NCAA tournament this year. Core of Mississippi State's basketball team next year will be Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard III and Tyson Carter and presumably Nick Weatherspoon. From everything we're hearing from from Ben Hallen, it's going to be Nick Weatherspoon. He's going to be the starting point guard. Uh, they haven't made an okay. official statement, but Ben Hallen has just come out and said he's going to be our starting point guard. So, see how it goes. Well, there you go. So that will be kind of the core of that team. Uh, and then, obviously, you can't win with four players, so it's it's got to be guys in addition to that. And certainly, there's some uh, some pieces to replace from a season ago for uh, for Mississippi State, but a good group coming back as well. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We're coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio on this Monday afternoon. Sit tight. Orky, you like dropping in these random stats of the day, don't you? Yeah, I just wish I could find more of them, do it more often. Here's one for you. If you're thinking about betting against Alabama this year, history would tell you that that might not be the best plan. Since joining the SEC in the year 2000, Nick Saban has had five teams who have gone into a new season coming off of a postseason loss. Okay? So since joining... Uh, okay, so that, that includes when Nick Saban was at LSU. Correct. All right, so since joining the SEC in 2000 as a head coach, Nick Saban has five teams that have gone into the following year coming off of a postseason loss. The combined record of those teams, 66 and 5. 36 and 4 against SEC teams. 29 and 4 against teams in the top 25. And four national championships. You want to bet against Nick Saban in Alabama this year? Trevor Lawrence would probably tell you to. He might. And even if he did, like some, I some like Twitter the, account the, would probably just make up a quote telling you that he said it. Well played. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely bank on them getting back there. It'll be interesting to see if they can beat Lawrence and Saban Jr. It does feel like there is a predetermined national championship game. With Alabama and Clemson. And now that everybody feels that way, it's not going to happen that way. Which would be great for college football if that turns out to be the case. Sneak in the plucky underdogs. Well, I'm more thinking of Oklahoma than anybody else. Everybody's writing off Oklahoma. They have one big speed bump in the Big 12, and that is it with Texas. Everybody else, they're significantly better than. And with Haydad's boy playing quarterback. Jalen Hurts? Yeah. That's right. Remember we got into that whole... Uh, Everybody Hurts. <laughs> it's Jalen Hurts and... Uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. We went deep. We did a deep dive on that one day when that's we right. got bored. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Got pretty contentious. It did. Yeah. It did. I still haven't forgiven you. <laughs> if Joe Burrow were playing quarterback for Oklahoma this year, mm-hmm. instead of Jalen Hurts... Oh, National champions today. <laughs> Better go. record for Oklahoma which way? <laughs> oh, God. 
Those are pretty remarkable numbers, though. So at LSU and, Al- and at Al- Alabama, five postseason losses the following year, combined record of 66-5, and 36-4 against the SEC, 29-4 and four against teams ranked in the top 25, and four national titles. Nick Saban seems to uh, maybe grind a little harder in the off-seasons following a loss to end the year. Pretty decisive loss to end the year a season ago. And and I think what we learned was that Alabama's defense was not as good as it had been in previous versions of Nick Saban football teams. Yeah. And, and it lost its I best players. Loses, it did. And I feel like whenever he loses a national championship, it just kind of slowly shaves the very slim supply of sanity he has left, and then they go win it. Yeah. Hey, guys, let's switch gears just for a second. I don't want to spend long on this because I don't want to belabor the point, but I do um, think it's worth mentioning, and we need to pass along our condolences to the family of Lake Little. Uh, She was an 18-year-old, recent graduate of Starkville Academy, um, was involved in a plane crash uh, on the Ole Miss golf course on Saturday afternoon. She was flying by herself. Um, reports say that she was practicing touch-and-go landings, and that is a, it's a training technique that's used to, uh, to practice landings. Uh, she was flying in a, a Cessna 172. It was a Civil Air Patrol airplane, small airplane. Uh, it was about 3 o'clock on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. She was airlifted away from the site and was later pronounced dead in Memphis. And I, I realized as we kind of went through Saturday afternoon and into Saturday evening, there were a lot of people that, that reached out who knew that family uh, quite well. Her father um, works for Mississippi Farm Bureau and is an alderman in Starkville. Uh, I think a couple of brothers uh, that are either have been involved or are very involved uh, in the Starkville community at Mississippi State, and so we just want to pass along our condolences um, as a father of a couple of young girls. Hey, Dad's got a couple of daughters as well. Uh, just unimaginable grief uh, for the uh, for the little family. A uh, a seemingly remarkable young woman who uh, whose life is gone far too soon, and we pass along our most sincere condolences. Uh, and continue to offer uh, prayers for peace and for God's grace for the uh, the little family, and also for those who were involved, the um, the first responders who were there. Uh, there were some young men on the golf course who did all they could to try and save her life, uh, and all of those folks are having to deal with the aftermath of this as well. So our condolences to the little family in the loss of Lake Little on Saturday. Sports Talk Mississippi, more coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Monday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, rolling into the 4 o'clock hour. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Michael Borky in the studio. In fact, Haydad and Borky are both in the studio in Jackson today. We're glad to have you along this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs or 
something associated with land that you need financing or refinancing on, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Whether it's equipment to maintain the property that you've got, you're buying a new piece of property, you're refinancing an existing loan, or maybe you need a production loan. If you're in North Mississippi, Mississippi Land Bank is the way to go. Again, the website, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. It is Monday. That means winners and losers. We're going to do that in just a second, but we will remind you that we want to hear from you on winners and losers from the weekend. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. C Spire reminds you, please don't text and drive. C Spire, customer inspired. So your winners and losers from the weekend. We'll do that coming up in just a few minutes, but right now it's time for our winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. All right, winners and losers from the weekend. How about a 20-year-old who takes home a check of $1,152,000? Six weeks ago, Matthew Wolf won the individual national championship in college golf at Oklahoma State. Yesterday, he finished off an incredible weekend with an eagle on 18, putted it in from the fringe, to get to 22 under par and win the inaugural 3M championship that was at um, TPC Twin Cities in uh, right outside of Minneapolis. Uh, really good golf. The, the names at the top of the leaderboard, some of them you recognize, some of them you don't. Bryson DeChambeau, uh, there were some DeChambeau tears as he made eagle on 18 to take a one-shot lead and I said 22 under. Wasn't it 21 under that he won with? Yes. Okay, so Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa were both at 19 under walking up to the 18th green. They both had eagle putts on 18. Morikawa is a 22-year-old graduate of Cal who is also a rookie on the PGA Tour. Both of those guys got in on sponsors' exemptions. Morikawa finished tied for second with a birdie on 18, won $563,000. But Matthew Wolf, $1.152 million as a 20-year-old with an eagle on 18. That's winning in a big way. And his teammate finished tied 13th. Pretty good college team there. Who, Victor Hovland? Yeah. Yeah, he's now uh, getting money. And they didn't win the whole thing. No, that's right. They were upset by... Texas beat them in the semis, and Stanford won the whole thing. There you go. There you go. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa finished tied for second. You had Adam Hadwin, uh, Canadian, who finished fourth. Carlos Ortiz, Wyndham Clark. So, again, uh, some names that maybe you don't recognize. Sam Burns, who played at LSU, finished tied for seventh and has a good season going. He was on the... Uh, I guess it's now the Corn Ferry Tour, web.com, just a year ago. So uh, really advancing. Borky, give me a winner. The Los Angeles Clippers, because they showed exactly what you need to do when you're trying to lure a free agent and it's not leak. 
most importantly, but they did everything the right way. It's a really well-run well franchise and has been for a few years. They built assets. They, they were homegrown, didn't leak, landed Kawhi Leonard, used those assets that they grew to get Paul George, and now they're LA's team like they have been for the last 10 years or so. I'm going to come through that window And the favorite to second. win the NBA championship. I'm going to dive right through they the window. They did it the exact right way. Everybody wrote them off, myself included. Did not expect that this was going on behind the scenes, and that was a mistake on everybody's part. They did it the right way because they kept their mouths shut, more importantly than anything else. Yeah, the day and, and on two fronts, the day, kept, the kept day their mouths the, uh, shut to get the deal done with Paul George to bring him in, and then able to bring in Kawhi Leonard as well. Hey, but don't forget about the Lakers giving Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope eight million a year. That should work out well. The day that the Clippers are LA's team, I'll come over there and I'll give you a big kiss right on the cheek, Borky. Where did Kawhi Leonard that'll sign? That'll never happen. Where did Paul George sign? It doesn't matter. A year They're after not he LA's turned down team. the Lakers? They're not LA's team. Wait, where are they both from? I forget. Well, Kawhi's from oh, San LA. Diego, isn't he? Or he played at San Diego State. Right? But he's from LA. Yeah. They're not, if you ask LA people, they're not actually from LA. Like Palmdale doesn't count. That's what I was told. So, regardless. Well, you know, if they had gone to the Lakers, they'd claim them as LA guys. I'm just, I would claim them as former, as future world champions, but it just is what it is. Hey, Dad, you got a winner? I got two. I got two former Diamond Dogs. I'll start with Adam Frazier, who was just named the NL Player of the Week. Hit 600 Holy last cow, week with week seven doubles. Unbelievable week for him. And then we did a, a segment last week about All-Star snubs. Well, one of those snubs made the team after all. Brandon Woodruff was headed to the All-Star game uh, from the Milwaukee Brewers. So a couple of former Diamond Dogs with a good week for them. And, uh, yeah, MSU baseball staying in the headlines. I don't know if you've ever had to try and sign your kid up for daycare or for kindergarten and maybe you missed the deadline and you're on the waiting list. Usually if you're like the top three or four on the waiting list, you're probably going to get a spot. Yeah. It's kind of like that with all-star snubs. If you're like one of the top three or four snubs, you're going to have somebody that gets hurt or somebody that claims to be hurt because they want to go rest instead of going to all-star weekend, and there's a really good chance you're going to make it. And you saw that with several of the guys that we talked about who were snubs last week. Yeah. Congratulations to Brandon Wood- Woodruff, now an all-star. He's been the anchor of the uh, the Brewers rotation this week, uh, this year. Uh, really, he's been the most consistent guy in that rotation, and now you get to put all-star by his name as well. Yeah, guy that... Is that a better, good analogy or no? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Much better pro than college career for whatever reason has really put it together in the majors. Different people uh, maybe take a little longer to finish their development. Yeah. Rippy, how about a winner? U.S. Women's National Team. Okay. They beat everyone pretty soundly, had an attitude about it, really made a lot of people online mad, and which I could get behind. They're a little too political for me sometimes, but like they play with an edge. They knew they were really good. It was kind of cool watching just a team that that's or kind of following along a team that that's confident and knew they were going to win every game. And you may not like her politically, or because she was in the conversation, but Megan Rapino, just an unbelievable World Cup, kind of all the way through. I think it's. I don't think it's unfair to say. I don't think the United States wins the Women's World Cup without Megan Rapino on the roster. That's I'm fair. not enough of a soccer guy. Although after watching a game this weekend, I might start wearing those Puma sweatpants with the elastic at the bottom and start talking about how I have a good feel for the ball. They make yeah. a zip-top um, uh, uh, polo if you want one. Sweet. Maybe this is my sport. But it almost had like USA basketball feel where you just felt like they were going to beat everyone they stepped on the what's it, a pitch with. On the pitch. Adam, on the pitch. Yeah. Not only did it 
I'm so they, proud they, of Ripley. They felt like it, or it yeah. felt like that was going to happen, and then it did happen. On top of that, yep. What about losers from the weekend? We'll go reverse order. Ripley, you got a loser? No. U.S. Men's National Team <laughs> choking her way to uh, Mexico in the uh, Concacaf Gold Cup Finals in Chicago. Yep. Okay. All soccer today. Uh, hey, Dad, do you have a loser? Yeah, Rippy. Rippy stole mine. That that and and, and, fr- and frankly, and I people ask me, do you follow the men's national team? And I don't really, for the same reason, I don't really follow Double A baseball. It's just such an inferior product. You only have two guys on the whole roster that are playing in, in elite leagues across the league, across the world. Uh, I mean, they're just never going to get there. They just never are. There'll always be a team that you know sort of. Wait, happy. you don't believe in USA team? No, oh, that next next generation is coming. Have you not heard? Well, it's been coming since I was you know in that next generation. It's it's not going to happen. So, well, yeah. you didn't do your part. Uh, you know what? I tried to play soccer. I was not very good at it. So, it just it's just never going to happen. And, and you know, it's going to be one of those things where yeah, it's great to go to the World Cup every every now and then. But the thought of the U.S. ever becoming a soccer power, put that behind you. Based off last night, no, I mean that's I mean based off of a hundred years of history. Watch them. when when have they ever been good? No, that's fair. I thought you were just squatting on that after just being no, disgusted no, no. I mean, and fed up after last. No, night. it's just they just don't have the players. Hmm. I found the game entertaining. though, all jokes aside, I, I actually really found myself enjoying some of it. Forky, you got a loser. Uh, yeah, I got a couple real quick brands because they don't matter in sports anymore. The Knicks had a bunch of cap space, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving went to their crosstown nobody, and the Lakers had a bunch of cap space, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George went to their crosstown, well, same arena, nobody. Brands don't matter anymore. These guys think that they are their own brand, and so it's not a thing anymore. And also, Brian Windhorst and all those people that suggested Zion should go back to college because he wouldn't get exposure – Highest-rated summer league game ever. Sold the most jerseys uh, so far of the entire rookie class. Signed a $10 million a year deal. I think he made the right call. Seems like a good decision. Did they say that with a straight face, that he should go back to college? Yeah, Sports Talk Mississippi. Your winners and losers are next. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. We gave you our winners and losers from the weekend. Now it is your turn. You can text them to us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Or you can tweet them to us at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. That's the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, Sports Talk Miss, M-I-S-S. Uh, so a text message that I got and one that was echoed by Louie, so one from VR, one from Louie on the winner's list, Terrence Davis. We talked about him a little bit in our number one. Uh, signs a two-year deal with one year guaranteed following his performance in the NBA Summer League this weekend. He played one game in the Summer League for the Denver Nuggets, and Toronto scooped him up and signed him to a two-year deal he is guaranteed to make right at nine hundred thousand dollars this coming year in um, uh, earnings on the basketball floor. That's pretty awesome for a uh, a guy from South Haven, Mississippi, that was an outstanding high school football player. Came to Ole Miss as an athlete, turned into a pretty good basketball player, turned into a great basketball player, I guess, because he's now. In the uh, in the NBA and a fun guy to cover along the way as well. Uh, all right, here's some from the text line, C Spire text line. Winners, 
Reds fans for the gun show they got. Did you see that yesterday? Reds went with the sleeveless jerseys, and Yasiel Puig goes with no undershirt. So did Joey Votto and Derek Dietrich, and I think Michael Lorenzen. I don't know. I watched most of that game yesterday. It didn't help them on the field, but the Reds are doing a throwback series this year where they're wearing a lot of throwbacks from their you know 155-year history or whatever it is. And that one was from 1956, which apparently at the time a few of the players actually went with the near sleeveless to completely sleeveless look in real time. So that was kind of like paying tribute to them. And I kind of liked it for one game. I probably wouldn't like looking at that for you know 162, but you know I couldn't show off those. Guns. If you were still, if on I the looked beat, like that's what I want to know. If you were still on the beat, would you have gone that route? Would you have replicated that look in the press box? Um, I might have rolled up the uh, go- the golf shirt I was wearing in the press box. Maybe asked one of them for a flex off afterward. Can't take pictures down there, but I would have had it in my mind. Can't take pictures on the field post game. No, you can't take pictures at the clubhouse. You can do it on the field. Gotcha. But yeah, pretty cool. Quinn, this is a good one. Um, winner and loser all rolled into one. He said, "Winner, my buddy and my homeboy, Chad Kaye." Assistant coach at Southern Miss, who is now headed to College Station. Rob Childress adds him to the Texas A&M baseball staff. I was texting with Luke Johnson about this over the weekend. I said, that's great for Chad Kaye, and that is a bummer for Southern Miss. Because really good dude, really good assistant coach, but you have to be happy for guys who advance in their career. And certainly that is a, a big step in the right direction uh, for Chad, uh, it's a pay bump and a, a great opportunity for him. And I'm sure Scott Barry would tell you the same thing. And Scott might also tell you that he thinks that uh, that Chad will be a head coach in college baseball before too terribly much longer. Uh, so I guess the loser side of that is Southern Miss in that uh, they've now got to replace that position. And it will be interesting to see what uh, what route Scott Barry goes with it. Uh, let's see here. Chris and Laurel, who is an LSU fan, he says, Winners, DJ LeMayhew and Alex Bregman, both starters on the American League roster for the All-Star game. Did those guys underachieve at LSU? I don't know. I'm not going down that road. They were really, really good players. (laughs) Really good players in college, but they have taken it to an entirely different level in the big leagues. Bregman the best third baseman? No. Not over Arenado, but close. He was he top four? Oh, I'd go three. Machado? Arenado? Yeah. Alex Bregman? I mean he certainly has an argument. I guess I just think Arenado's probably the best third baseman in baseball. Going two ways, but he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. Um any of these others jump out to you, hey Dad, on on the winners and losers list? Let me see here. I've got a loser for you. Oh, go ahead. Everybody that got outraged at the Bleacher Report after the women won the World Cup. What was that? Uh, did you see this picture funny. to me? So they, well, I don't know. It didn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make sense. That's what's beautiful about it. So they tweeted this picture, and it's supposed to look like a painting. And at the bottom, it's a very long picture. It's and at gra- the bottom, it's got the entire United States women's national team. It did not team. have the entire team. Uh, who... 
I mean, I don't know who was missing. I just know that people said, hey, why is uh, well, Matthew Perry on here, but the entire team's not? Well, they've got all the people that matter. I was going to say, there are a lot of non-soccer players. Um, yeah. But above them, that you've got like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Zach Efron, the cast of Friends, the cast of Modern Family, the cast of The Office, the cast of Stranger Things. Iron Man. Iron Man, Tom Cruise's character from Top Gun. I mean, all these random people throw it. It's what makes America great. It's all that right there. And the the caption was like, one nation, one team, we're proud of you, or something like that. And people got furious, called Bleacher Report sexist for including these people in what the women's team accomplished and uh, all this crap. And Bleacher Report had to take this picture down. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It doesn't make any sense, and it's beautiful. And you know Ta- Taylor Swift in there. Taylor Swift oh, in there. Loser. Will Smith. Who, who, Did you mention Will Smith? Was Will Smith in there? Uh, he's yeah. He's on the uh, on the back row, fourth from the left. There you go. Okay. Miley Cyrus. Is on there. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah. I mean, this is great. I, I love this picture. Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> Her real name is Jennifer Lawrence. You know. Yeah. Whatever. Who's your loser? Fair enough. Who you What'd you there, have, Rippy? Oh, I've got uh, newspaper reporters who criticize what players eat at <laughs> summer league games. <laughs> A certain newspaper reporter criticized John Morant and Jaron Jackson, who were get ready to clutch the pearls, eating chicken tenders and fries at a summer league game. And this guy posed, cheesy fries, weren't they? Yeah, this guy mm. posed the. I'm usually against even bringing this type of internet tomfoolery up, but this was particularly funny. Uh, he criticized them for eating chicken tenders and chili cheese fries, which, of course, is a cardinal sin, I guess, to play basketball. I don't really know. And then asked if the Grizzlies even had a nutritionist, to which they pretty much were like, hold this one, man. I got another quick winner. The, the responses were not pretty. No, it was, it was... And then he tried to play it off like cool guy, like, oh, you didn't get my satire. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... The classic, like, you make a horror... Like, you say something dumb, and you're like, oh, I was just kidding. Y'all didn't get that? Like... You're the dumb ones. Borky okay. and I were talking Congrats, about that guy man. earlier. How, uh, how you even how how you look at that in a summer? Then he blamed NBA TV for showing it. I don't understand how you look at an NBA <laughs> basketball player and be like, "That guy's eating chicken tenders." That's really just gonna bug me if I don't open my phone and tweet about them not having a nutritionist and eating chicken fingers. Dan Wolken at his best. Uh yeah, I wasn't even gonna give him the acknowledgement of that. Oh no, I I don't mind mentioning his name over stupid things. Um, Either did Sports Center and the justice. Jump and everybody else, NBA yeah. TV and well, everybody. Scott Van Pelt took a shot at him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but you know, we just don't get it. Yeah, it was a joke. Hey, another quick winner uh, yeah. just announced by the San Antonio Spurs that uh, Quindary Weatherspoon has signed a two-way deal with them. So he'll either be with the, the main team or be with their uh, their G League team. But he has gotten a contract. G League team in Austin? Is that right? <laughs> Even Borky shrugged his shoulders like, Dude, I don't know what? the G League team. Come on, Borky. Come on, Mr. NBA guy. Please let me be right on that. Please let me be right. Spurs. Austin Spurs. Gabam. Nice. I do know the Spurs are going to. I need to go cover a game there. I'm going to go cover We'll get that go approved. I'd love to go see. I'd like to go back to Austin. And Pelicans' G League team is going to Birmingham whenever they finish they, renovating will, will they that pay, stadium. Will they expense me a proxy to stand in line at Franklin's Barbecue? I'm not standing for six hours, but I'll pay someone to stand there. Can I get that expensed? No. Dang! 
I mean, I don't ultimately sign off on those decisions. But if you but had I'm to guess, you're saying you. no? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going out on a limb and going, uh, no. I'm going to start criticizing everything you guys eat. Johnny in West Point, my loser of the week, is the mainstream media for trying to discredit President Trump's 4th of July celebration. All right, that's Johnny in West Point with his loser. Okay. <laughs> Rippy. They had a big crowd for that, right? I'm sure the airports were busy. Sure. <laughs> That was a low key burn right there, Rippy. Well played. I, I didn't even mean to. I just couldn't. That was. Uh, that's what I'm always going to think of when I think of that thing is the teleprompter snafu. Um, losers the rest of the world for women's soccer, which is fairly literal in the sense of losers, I suppose. So those are some of your winners and losers from the weekend. Here's one that said winner Justin Haley, loser all NASCAR fans. JT told me about this. They sat them in a lightning delay for three hours in the cars and then called the race. Ooh. That's a fairly uncomfortable lightning delay. I mean, if you get a lightning delay in baseball, you go to the clubhouse. Not uh, not the case there. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Counting you down to the start of the college football season. We are 54 days away from that first big Saturday, August 31st. We continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Team number 54 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, just to the north of the state line in Mississippi, the Memphis Tigers. Kind of like Memphis's fight song. Like a little slower version there. Mike Norvell going into his fourth season, 26-14, and 0-3 in three bowl games. They lost last year to Wake Forest in the Birmingham Bowl, 37-34. They lost to Iowa State the year before, 21-20. In the Liberty Bowl, that was a home game, and they lost 51-31 in 2016 in the Boca Raton Bowl to Western Kentucky. In the last five seasons, Memphis has won 10, 9, 8, 10, and 8 games. It's turned into a good football program. Uh, Mike Norvell uh, took the program over when um, Justin Fuente left and got the um, uh, Virginia Tech job. And it's been a solid program year in, year out. They opened the season with Ole Miss. Last time these two teams played the 2016 season, it was in Oxford. Ole Miss won that game 48-28. to So teams have not met in the, uh, the last two years. A couple of notes about Memphis. Between 2009 and 2013, so a five-year span, Memphis had ten different starting quarterbacks. But they have had only three starting quarterbacks in the last five years. Most recently, Brady White. He was a grad transfer a year ago with two years of eligibility remaining from Arizona State. 
in his debut for Memphis, set a school record with 358 yards and five touchdowns. That's the most ever by a quarterback making his debut at Memphis. Brady White last year completed 63% of his passes for almost 3,300 yards, 26 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. Memphis had two 1,000-yard rushers, nearly a 2,000-yard rusher a year ago. Daryl Henderson had 214 carries for 1,909 yards and 22 touchdowns. And if you are an Ole Miss fan, you are glad that he is not back for Memphis. Patrick Taylor also was a 1,000-yard rusher, 1,122 yards and 16 touchdowns. He is back. Uh, Memphis also lost Tony Pollard, who uh, rushed it for 552 yards a season ago. So they lose two of their top three running backs. Best receiver is back, Demonte Coxie, who had seven touchdowns and 1,174 yards receiving. Pop Williams is back as well. He was the number three receiver on that football team a season ago. Six returning starters on the offensive side of the ball, eight coming back on the defensive side of the ball. This is a hugely... That was very Trumpian of me. Sorry. Uh, a really, really big game to open the season. August 31st, an 11 a.m. kickoff. Games on ABC, Memphis, and Ole Miss. I think it's big for both teams. But honestly, I think it's a bigger game for Ole Miss this year than it is for Memphis. Absolutely. Now, because of Me- Mem- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, just if Memphis loses, they have nothing to lose in a game like this because they're supposed to lose to an SEC West opponent. So yeah, there's more there's more on the line for Ole Miss because they actually have something to lose. If Ole Miss loses this game, Arkansas coming to town next week, the attendance won't be very good. But if they win this game, they'll put sixty thousand people in the stadium for Arkansas, and they shouldn't be very good. And then the season can get off and rolling in a positive direction. It's not a season defining game, but it's a table setter. Vegas would tell you Memphis is supposed to win somewhat handily, though. Yeah, they're favored by somewhere seven and a half, eight, six. And a, oh, seven oh, it's and a half. it's dropped so it's significantly Touchdown down to and change. Okay, so it's come down a little bit. Um, Memphis was not very good defensively last year. They gave up a a hundred or more yards rushing in twelve of their fourteen games including 264 to Navy. Obviously, that's a team that runs it. 318 to Tulane. That's a team whose identity is now to run it as well, um, with, with Willie Fritz as the head coach. 273 on the ground to Missouri, and just got throttled by Missouri last year, 65-33. to 33. Um, They gave up 350 yards rushing to UCF. So played at UCF in the regular season finale. Uh, and lost that game 56-41. UCF had 350 yards on the ground, 348 yards through the air. They gave up 201 rushing yards to uh, Wake Forest in the uh, in the bowl game. Is this a shootout? Is the Ole Miss Memphis game in Week One going to be a shootout? I would I would take the over in this one for sure. If it's a defensive struggle, I don't think it's going to go well for the uh, Body Rebels. Really? Yeah, I would think they would. I mean, unless unless they're playing at a you know complete 180 from what they did a year ago and a lot of the same personnel returns, I imagine they're going to need to score a good bit of points to win this. Well, I mean, if it's a defensive struggle by nature, then both teams are not putting up a ton of points. I guess that's true, but... 
Like, is, is one defense, I guess, there enough for it to that even be the case? I just see yeah, two and teams. I mean, it's hard. I just see two teams that are they're very good offensively last year, not great defensively last year. I don't see why that that script would flip this season. Yeah, and again, Memphis with eight defensive starters returning, but not a good defense um, a season ago. We were just they gave about up starters. Borky and I were talking yeah. about that. You bring back eight returning starters, great. We were the worst defense in the country. Oh. Yeah, at some point maybe it's addition by subtraction, but aren't they also replacing both coordinators? And I, I, I imagine Mike Morvell's got his hand pretty heavy in the offense considering he was an offensive coordinator at Arizona State, but I wouldn't be surprised if both teams struggle offensively early. New systems, new coordinators, both sides of the ball. Teams feeling things out. I mean, sure, they may not be new fluid offensive and ready. coordinator. Borky is Kevin Johns, who was the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech last year, and the new defensive coordinator is Adam Fuller, who was at Marshall for the last six years, uh, majority of that time as the linebackers coach, and they've also got a new special teams coach in Pete Limbo. So. Um, he was uh, was with Rice a season ago. So some turnover on the coaching staff. Yeah, and if you look at Memphis, from, say what now? I said that name was familiar, Pete Limbo. I don't know where I, I know him from. I know he's 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 coached somewhere. I can't I can't put it in my head though. I don't know where he is from. I have to look it up. I guess. Okay. Borky, what were you saying? And if you if you look at Memphis from a year ago, I mean it was still another eight win team and. I mean, they're the Vegas favorite for a reason, but if you look at their wins and who they were able to beat, it's a bunch of teams that were quite bad last year. Mercer is an FCS school. They beat Georgia State, who was bad. They beat South Alabama, who was bad. They beat UConn, who was abysmal. East Carolina, who was abysmal. Tulsa, I mean, all of their wins, with the exception of Houston, and that was at the end of the year when the writing was on the wall about the future of their head coach, No, none of their wins were teams with pulses last year. So they may return starters on defense, and as you mentioned, it wasn't a very good defense. They lose their best running back, but it's a team that, while they won eight games and that's not to be dismissed, you got to bring into context the eight games that they won and who they won against. When you look at the losses last year for Memphis at Navy by a point in Week 2. Pretty good. Uh, at Tulane in week five by 16. But last year wasn't a bumper Navy team. It was not a great Navy team a year ago. Um, they lose by one to UCF in a home game in the middle of the season. They get beat by 32 at Missouri. Had a three-game win streak with wins over East Carolina, Tulsa, and SMU. A four-game win streak. They beat Houston as well. Lost to UCF a second time in the, uh, the AAC title game. Uh, lost that one by 15, and then lost by a field goal to Wake Forest in the Birmingham Bowl. So that was Memphis a year ago. Um, look, I, I still stand by the fact that I think Memphis has in some ways turned the corner from being kind of up and down. You, know, you, you think back to Memphis, Danny Wimprine, D'Angelo Williams, those guys, they were really good, and then they kind of fell off the map. And then they got a little bit better, and then they fell back again. I mean, it's five straight years of eight wins or more for Memphis, and they've done a really good job with their last two head coaches, with Justin Fuente and uh, and Mike Norvell. And for whatever reason, Mike Norvell has not been scooped up by another program. 
Uh, and that's after winning 8, 10, and 8 in his first three years at Memphis. That normally gets you a Power 5 job, and he has not had his name called for one of those just yet. Memphis is up to salary. They're paying him a bunch of money, and they like where the program is headed. Memphis, team number 54 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Right now, time for the college football fix. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Really appreciate Ford and their commitment and uh, all the time that they've spent saying thank you over the last month and a half to first responders and veterans. A lot of really good stuff happening there. You've got great incentives at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. You can test drive a Ford car, truck, or SUV at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. They bring you the college football fix every day. Here you go. One week from today, we are in Hoover at the Hyatt Regency for SEC Media Days. I'm going to be interested to see if this thing goes back to Hoover after this year. Feels like this is probably the end of the road. And that may not be the case. Is it weird to you that you've got the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 all having media days next week as opposed to spreading them out like they've been done in the past? Or like has been done in the past. Surprised the other leagues are doing that, to be completely honest with you. I don't know if it's to try and steal some of the SEC's thunder, if it was just a scheduling quirk. And I don't know how much it's actually going to affect attendance. I mean, are there going to be a 1,000 people in Hoover, Birmingham for media days like there normally are? I guess we'll wait and see. I would think that it would be less coverage for some of the other conferences. Yeah, and because the SEC does the hype and theatrics of the entire event way better than the other ones do. Yeah, and then the Pac-12 will push theirs out another week or so. Who should Matt Luke take from Ole Miss for media days? Who should Joe Moorhead take to media days for Mississippi State? you got to take Kylan Hill, right? Yeah, and this would never happen. Would... It really wouldn't. But... If you want people to talk about you, if your goal at SEC Media Days is to get people not in Mississippi to write about your program, because going into this year, neither Ole Miss nor Mississippi State will be the story of the SEC, and that's fine. It's it's just kind of how it's going to be. You want to get people to write about you and care about Mississippi State football? This isn't going to happen. Then you take Tommy Stevens. Bring both of your quarterbacks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's the only way you could take Tommy Stevens is if you also take Keaton Thompson, unless you have already let the team know that that's going to be your starter. And I don't think that's happened. So then bring them both. People will write about every national reporter at Media Days will write about Mississippi State if you bring both of your quarterbacks. And if that's not your goal, that's fine. But if you want people to talk about you, it's how you do it. My guess would be Errol Thompson and Kylan Hill and yeah, maybe an offensive lineman. Daryl Williams, maybe. probably. Maybe. 
because he's a senior, middle of the offensive line, probably going to be an NFL player, maybe early round pick even. What about for Ole Miss? Corral, Sonogo, Phillips or Givens. You think Matt Luke will take a redshirt freshman quarterback? No, you asked me who I would take. Okay. So who do you think Ole Miss will take? Scotty Phillips? Yeah. Alex Givens, maybe? That's just a random offensive lineman, pretty buttoned up. Bring Matt Corral. Mohamed Sonogo? I agree. I mean, you take your quarterback. Take the people, take take the players that people want to hear from. I don't think they necessarily, I mean. Corral might go. Maybe. I mean, some people have a policy of we're taking seniors, and some people say, no, we're going to take the players that people want to hear from. So I guess we'll get that list in the next couple of days, and we'll know for sure who everybody's bringing. Definitely within a week. <laughs> Thanks. Dynamite drop in there, Rippy. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, back with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We've got something brand new for you right now, and that is your Pearl River Resort Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge Pick of the Day. Next time you plan a trip, why don't you make it to Pearl River Resort? They've got golf, they've got great restaurants, they've got casinos, they've got entertainment. You've got the water park just down the road, and of course you've got the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge 20 big screen TVs, 12 state-of-the-art odds and wager boards, three wager stations, plus the traditional sports bar, and the PRR Sports app. That's the mobile betting app that allows you to bet from wherever you are on the property when you're staying at the Silver Star or the Golden Moon. It is your pick of the day. Borky, is there going to be like a running tally on how I do with these? Yeah, but today's is probably not the best example because, you know, doing the home run yeah, derby with seven guys. But, yeah, when we start doing just regular games, I'll, I'll keep a running total. All right, so do we have – did we get a replacement? It's still eight, isn't it? That's a question for Brian Scott Rippey. I have no idea. All right, Christian Yelich is not participating tonight because of back soreness. Yeah, he was replaced by Matt Chapman. Okay, so Matt Chapman is now in the mix. Eight players in the home run derby tonight. Chapman, Vlad Jr., Bregman, Jock Peterson, Bell, Acuna, Alonzo, Santana. So Josh Bell, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Pete Alonzo, 30 long balls at the break for the Mets, Matt Chapman, Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Braves, Jock Peterson, Alex Bregman, and Carlos Santana. Would you like the first round matchups and odds? I have oh yeah, let's do that as well. Yeah, we probably should have done that first. Well, okay, so <laughs> I don't know where to start with this. It, it's set up like a bracket. Yes, but you can also bet obviously who can win the whole thing, which is what we're doing here. Okay, I, I'm, so I'm going to give care you about the round. I'm giving you one pick. Okay. For the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge pick of the day. Okay. Going hometown favorite, longest odds in the Derby. Carlos Santana? Yes, until Yelich was replaced. Chapman is at plus 900, according to this site that I just pulled up. Okay. Or this article. Do you think I'm crazy for picking Carlos Santana, the hometown guy, to get it done? I don't know. Anybody can win these things. Okay. Like, 
once you not like anyone, obviously, but like I mean, once you get in there, all these guys are incredible. Who would your pick be? Josh Bell can mash. Yeah, I honestly you like Pete Alonzo. Yeah, that's actually who I've gone with, or Vlad Jr. Because it always feels like a younger guy has a pretty good showing one of these things that comes out, and um, I don't know, Josh Bell's pretty good too. Did you see that he over the weekend he and Yelich were taking home run derby batting practice at the Pirate Stadium and hitting balls into the river in a boat on the river called the Cops because they genuinely believed someone was throwing baseballs at their boat. And Are you so serious? The, so the police showed up, and then they kind of put two and two together. Did they shut it down or let him keep hitting? Okay, I don't have the story pulled up, but I'm pretty sure Yelich hit a window. On a boat? Yeah. In the river. That's fantastic. Borky, now I'm waffling on this thing. I mean, I, I wanted to go hometown favorite. But I feel like Rippy's taught me into Pete Alonzo. Yeah, Yelich broke a window. I oh. saw a video of Vlad Jr. doing his BP practice. That is a sweet swing for a big guy. He certainly gets bombs. Josh Bell's the favorite. The the betting favorite. Um, just trying to pick a winner. I will... Uh, yeah, it's hard to do! Give us your favorite for the uh, home run derby tonight on the Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 601-879-4395 You can be part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line Ceasefire customer inspired. All right, so I got to lock it in. I got to lock it in. Gotta lock Give me it. the opportunity to come in and crow tomorrow. My pick for the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge Pick of the day, mm, Pete Alonzo. He was Peter Alonzo when he's at Florida. He's just Pete Alonzo with the Mets now. The Mets are due something good to happen to them. Did you see their 4th of July? I don't know about their... that last part, but I don't mind the pick. Did you see one of their minor league affiliates that had a fireworks show for 4th of July? <laughs> the fireworks didn't go up in the air. They just caught fire and burned beyond the outfield wall. This is on the heels of them pronouncing two of their legends that are very much still alive, deceased. Yeah. Tim and Enterprise says Jock Peterson. Tucker in Brookhaven says that he is going with Bregman. He says, call me crazy. Seems as though he has the least effort, which is favorable when stamina comes into play in the final round. Plus, I'm a Strohs fan. Stan and Ripley says, little Stan said Vlad Jr., he can hit tanks. He absolutely can do that. The uh, the longest odds in the first round is Santana's the biggest underdog to Pete Alonso. Yeah. I don't feel like Acuna... Second biggest to Bell. That's the second biggest mismatch. He's facing Bell? Yes, in the first round. Who was Santana facing in the first round? Pete Alonso. Okay. Uh, Ethan in Guntown says he's going with Ronald Acuna Jr. as a Braves fan. Here are the starting lineups, by the way. You've had some scratches and some changes and some injuries and whatnot. So here's what you've got as of today. Justin Verlander on the hill for the Astros. By the way, he had some flaming hot takes today for Major League Baseball, calling Manfred, Rob Manfred, out by name. George Springer in right for the Astros former UConn Husky, D.J. LeMayhew at second from the Yankees, 
Mike Trout in center. LeMahieu from LSU. Mike Trout in center from the Angels. Hometown star Carlos Santana at first. J.D. Martinez is the D.H. of the Red Sox. Bregman at third. Gary Sanchez catching. Michael Brantley in left field, also from the Astros. And Jorge Polanco is at shortstop for the Twins. Starting pitcher for the National League is Hyun Jin Ryu. Did I do that right? Yeah, pretty close. What did you give it to me? Say it again. Hyun Jin Ryu. You added a little flavor to the first part of it. Other than that, pretty solid. Just Hyun Jin? Yeah. Okay. I, the H should get a little credit for being there. Uh, Christian Yelich in left field. Javi Baez from the Cubs at short. Freddie Freeman from the Braves at first. Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers in right. Nolan Arenado at third from the Rockies. Josh Bell, the DH from the Pirates. Wilson Contreras catching from the Cubs. Cattell Marte at second base from the Diamondbacks. And in center field, Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Atlanta Braves. Am I in the minority or the majority in saying I'm more looking forward to the home run derby tonight than I am to the actual All-Star game tomorrow? Oh, majority. People love the home run derby. All-Star game, I like, but like I don't yeah, I don't dislike the All-Star game. For that than the home run derby. All you're seeing is bombs. Yeah. It's pretty fun. I've it never fun. enjoyed a good event. any All-Star game. I, I don't like the NBA All-Star game. I don't like the Pro Bowl. It just a game that doesn't count when people are giving half effort. I don't enjoy. Baseball, they give pretty good effort, though. If you're looking for one where they try, I mean, they're throwing. They play now. They, I mean, yeah. obviously, they're not, you know, breaking up double plays and hit, you know, targeting dudes at the plate. But like, not necessarily that, spikes up going in hard at second base. No, but in terms of, like, trying, like, they try. Yeah. More than the other two. Because you don't want to go, yeah, particularly because, like, as a pitcher, you don't want to go in there and get shelled. And, of course, like hitting a home run in an all-star game is pretty cool. It doesn't matter in the NBA if you don't guard a guy and he just blows by you and dunks it. Nobody cares because you're going to do the same thing on the other end. But if you're the guy standing out in the circle 60 feet 6 inches from the plate, you're not serving up BP fastballs. No. You're pitching. Because they're only throwing it in anyway. So it's not like they're going to hurt themselves. No, that's a good point. Uh, Borky, you got into the home run derby two years ago when it was going on while we were at Media Days. Yeah, that was a blast, man. I was... uh... I don't particularly care for All-Star Week. It's just not something I've cared about, and that night was so much fun, man. And so ever since then, I've I've paid more attention to it just because of that. Well, like at the... That was it on tap. Yes, it was. You You've guys, there, you guys you turned that place up uh, next week. Yeah, staple of Hoover. Um, <laughs> but the... Uh, the um, the well, like the Home Run Derby is like the three-point competition, I feel like, with the NBA. Like... The three-point competition is fairly exciting. Like it's definitely more exciting than the All-Star game. Home run derby is way better than the three-point competition, though. Yeah. Um, Sports talk Mississippi with you. We got a uh, a text. Uh, I'm sorry, a tweet from Josh Pitts on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. He said, "For Ole Miss, Benito Jones, Matt Corral, and Mohamed Sanogo." I agree on two of the three there. And he went Kylan Hill, Chauncey Rivers, and Errol Thompson for Mississippi State. Which two? You don't think Benito Jones? I can see that. Good dude. He does. From what we've seen, he doesn't uh, talk a lot. Which actually, that might be a good choice. I don't know. Maybe so. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.